need to feed my spirit. Listening to Wait You Were Mormon with Devin Brown. I'm your host, Devin Brown. Got a very special guest today. Um, he's a guy I lived with for six weeks. He was in my zone for a couple transfers. Um, and he is as English as they come, except that he lives in Las Vegas. But his name is Michael Moore. Had a really great discussion. Talk about things like the difficulties of being a closeted missionary, the difficulties. Um, joining the church as a convert, especially when your family is against it, and also the joy and fulfillment that comes from finally embracing who you are. So it's a great episode. Um, It's a little longer than the first episode, but I think you're going to enjoy that. Um, Thanks for listening, everybody. um, I've been loving the messages, all the support, all the encouragement. Please keep reaching out. Um, you can reach me at Wait You Were Mormon Podcast on Instagram. Um, you can also send me an email, um, waityouwermormon at gmail.com. Again, I love the messages and I'd love to hear from you guys some more. So please reach out, please subscribe, um, and keep tuning in. We really appreciate it. I got the beautiful Michael Moore here with me today. Hello, hello, hello. Mr. Maury himself. Um, so good to have you on. Really excited to chat with you. Thank you very much. Very interesting, compelling story. Can't wait to hit all those Thank points. You. But um, just kind of getting into it, um, can you tell us a little bit about who you are and why you're here today? Absolutely, yeah. So my name is Michael Moore. A lot of the people that I serve with on the mission field will know me as Elder Maury, or just Elder Moore. Um, actually, so I'm from York, England. It's a town in the north of England, in the countryside. It's just very quaint, very small, not a very big church presence. Um, and I actually became a member of the church in 2011, and I was out in the mission by 2012. Wow! So it was a, my life in the LDS church was very kind of short-lived. Um, I went in just kind of as a convert, a missionary stopped and talked to me and my mom one day. We we invited him over to the house. He kind of taught our family and I met his companion. Um, from there, we just kind of, you know, went to church and whatnot. And I liked it. And it's kind of interesting why, why I liked it because it was, it was, you know, learning more and more about, you know, what the policies are as far as like being gay is I was like, Oh, well, it's kind of a dead end road for me. Mm. <laughs> but I was like, I just, I, I felt good about going and I felt like maybe it could, you know, do me a change or do, do a good service for me in my life. And I had a lot of friends there too. So I went and after probably just a, like a year or so I got baptized. I was like at the very end of 2008, uh, sorry, 2010, it's December. So by 2012, like, like I was telling you, I was out there on the mission field. It was just incredibly fast. It was like a slap a sticker on him and kick his ass out there to Ghana, mm. you know, get him gone. Yeah. <laughs> see what see what happens. <laughs> it sounds and like, I, I, oh, sorry, it sounds like uh, your bishop or whatever was campaigning himself to try and get into. He was amazing. Yeah. yeah. He was a really good friend of mine. Uh, still is. I'm still friends with most of those people back in, in England. Um, but I, I failed like two of the 
the missionary interviews, I guess, mm. because, um, you know, we all have our vices, right? I was like, the porn is too much to give up. <laughs> yeah. So, well, anyway, I mean, long story short, I feel like the whole, um, like Ghana was where you're destined. Who knows? Cause you know, I failed two of the interviews before that. So I could have been in Ohio. I could have been yeah. in South Africa. You know what I'm saying? It's just all like, if you land on this day, you're going to this place. Damn. So going into it, like you were well aware that you were gay, like even as yeah, I'm glad you asked that. Absolutely, I'm glad you asked that question too, because a lot of a lot of people are kind of confused about how all that works. So like, I'll just take a minute to kind of share my opinion. And to be honest, if anyone knows anyone that's gay, just ask them. Mm -hmm. Like, they're not going to be offended. Like, when did you know you were gay? A lot of people think that it's like something you choose. Um, don't read the miracle forgiveness. Mm -hmm. That book is just so disgustingly inaccurate. Um, I believe they even like took it out of circulation a couple of years ago, right? Oh wow. Yeah, because it was just like, this is a choice, and it, it, it leads to pedophilia and bestiality. Like, this is a prophet that actually yeah. said that. I was, like, reading Jeez. it, like, what? No way. Like, no. But, um, no, probably about the same time that you or any, um, you know, straight guy realizes that they're interested in women as your sexuality develops. It's about the age of, what, like, 12, 13? Mm -hmm. just, yeah. Same thing with anyone that's gay. You just slowly realize, like, okay, women... And I'm not attracted to these girls, but I do feel a certain way about the guys in my class. And then it'd just be like a very awkward realization to like, oh, well, guess I'm gay and this, this is it, you know, it's yeah. my life now. And I remember that when I was like 13, it was like, oh man, I'm gay. Like, oh, this is going to be so difficult. You know, the persecution is going to be thick and, you know, I'm going to lose friends one day. But I, I hid it for a very long time because, um, you know, I'm not very flamboyant, so yeah. it's not very... Yeah, it's not very evident that I am gay. Um, even being on mission, you know, I'd, I'd see, you know, I'm sure we all know the missionaries that were like super foreign boy, and yeah. I'd be like, ah, oh, they're, they're gay and they're so damned for, forever. You know, like, <laughs> I'd just be so like against it in my yeah. head, like trying to convince myself, like, well, I'm not one of them, so mm. I'm good. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah. And that's a lot to carry on your shoulders. So, like, I've, you know, when I was out in Salt Lake City, um, yeah. I had conversations with uh, people who had since left the church, um, definitely over like the LGBT policies and things like that. Um, and I've heard a pretty common um, story amongst a lot of them. They believed going on their mission would cure them from being gay. Like that was sort of the motivation. Um, so you were saying... Um, you know, kind of from what I was understanding, like possibly that was a motivation for you going on the mission. It, it was honestly. And every night I'd pray like, you know, like, Lord, just take this burden from me. You know, I don't want to be gay. Like I get it. If that's my trial in life that I'll never find happiness or partnership or oh, a companion. Um, and it was just like every night I'd just be praying like, come on, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to be this way. Um, I don't want to go to hell if I slip up, you know, oh. I don't want to not be with my family in the celestial kingdom because, uh, you know, I'm attracted to guys rather than girls. It's, it's so it's, you, you learn to brainwash yourself. And that's the difficult part about coming out of it all is learning to accept yourself as like, I'm not broken. Mm -hmm. I'm not just a broken, like toy that doesn't function right and should be just put to the side and not deserved, you know, a place in the spotlight. And even when I, you know, eventually came, came out and started dating guys, it's like, I didn't really feel, uh, well, back up at first it felt very very 
like, oh man, this is me going down the last slide to hell, right? Like the last little piece. And then there's just a moment where I think it's like, you just realize, oh my God, I was, I was brainwashing myself for so long and denying myself a happy, fulfilled, loving partner that everyone deserves in life. Yeah. That's crazy. Um, like you said, it just goes to show the ignorance that so many people still have um, in regards to the LGBT community. Because like you mentioned, you're not flamboyant at all. I never right. would have suspected um, never. Yeah. on the mission. We lived together for about some of my last six weeks. I and I was thinking about that. I was like, oh, that makes sense. Like, no wonder this guy wanted to shower with me every morning. Yeah, he was he was closeted <laughs> yeah, that whole right. time. I would find him standing over me in bed, and <laughs> like drooling. Yeah, just hey, drooling. You're a guy, I just, I just, therefore, <laughs> I thought he was sleepwalking, but it all makes sense now. But no, that is, uh, yeah, I never would have suspected it at all. And it's just like, and well, it's, a, it's not a monolithic group. Like nobody, you know, that's like such a stereotypical viewpoint that people have, and I definitely have had that um, viewpoint at times too, but. Yeah, you can't you can't judge what? somebody, and you know, love is love. It sucks that you had to carry that, and you felt like broken, broken. Yeah, and like exactly, I have to yeah. do this in order to change. Like that's that's terrible for anybody to to deal with. Well, and also like nodding and laughing with every, you know, I'm very difficult to offend, so it wasn't like it was offensive, but like laughing and joking with every gay joke in the mission, mm. and like you know throwing the you know fag around like yeah. everyone was a faggot everyone's a fag you're a fag for this you're a fag for that and i got caught up in that you know it's like yeah fag was, you know fuck this guy he's a fag blah 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 and it was just like it's hilarious that most people think that a gay person is automatically attracted to you because you're a guy mm-hmm. and it's like well you know what there was absolutely no one on the mission that i was even attracted to because yeah. we all looked ass ugly. So we all had shaved heads and like the worst <laughs> ill-fitting short sleeve shirts yeah uh, just we were all stinky and sweaty mm-hmm. and disgusting and i was like there's no there's no one here that even raises an eyebrow <laughs> wow. that's funny but when you uh brought that up like it, it just reminded me i was like yeah like there was a, a good amount of racism in the mission. And we touched, Dave Absolutely. and I touched on that a little bit last episode, but there was a lot of homophobic remarks on the mission Just as well. Just as much, yeah. I remember being in Cape Coast, um, welcoming a few guys, and they were like talking about how it's completely just a choice, like, and all this type of stuff. Oh, of course. Yeah. yeah. And like, I actually had to like just kind of snap on them because I was like, you know, I've got some gay cousins. And you can, you know, you could tell from a very young age, like, that's not a choice. You know what I mean? Like, this is who you are. Like, you, you know, exactly. you can't really help yeah. that. Um, it's in your DNA. It's in your DNA. And so it's like, you know, as someone who is straight, like, at the time, it's not even something I really would have registered. But it just really brings it home. Like, wow, like, that must have been so tough on, like, Elder Moore and all these other guys that are not only is it tough hiding that because really you're hiding it you, you know you don't want people to find out but then you have to be constantly bombarded against with it the, too the ignorance yeah. And, yeah and you have to compete <laughs> against it and, and do all of this stuff like that's incredibly tough it is and it's you know it's two years of it and obviously i'm not complaining and there's no one through the mission that i've fallen out with because of a comment 
or anything like that while I was on the mission, but you'd be surprised. You know, obviously I'm not going to name any names, but there's so many missionaries on our mission that have come to me like, Hey, I'm, I'm gay too. How, how do you like deal with it? Blah, blah, yeah. blah. Pretty, pretty surprising, right? Wow. You would never have expected there to be yeah. 10 plus people that you and I both serve with. I can guarantee you. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. That is but you know, I'm, I'm happy to hear that at the same time too, because it just shows yeah. how the pendulum is kind of starting to, exactly. to swing. Um, and people well, are getting I, more and I was reading, yeah, and I was even reading like the Church Point Avenue handbook, I guess, yesterday. I don't know if you saw that, but I was just kind of being nosy. I was reading through it, and it's like they're now allowing like trans people to have temple recommends and whatnot, wow. as long as they're not actively, you know, seeking to go to the other gender. But and and they can have their names changed on like the membership forms and the pronouns and all that, and it's encouraged for the ward to accept that. It's interesting. Mm. I definitely think that it won't. You know, in the distant future, it is going to be accepted in the Mormon church. Yeah. I do feel like there is going to be a time when gay people can bring their partner to church or even get married in the temple. Obviously not in our lifetimes, but it's just the way of the world. I mean, yeah. it's becoming more and more obvious that it's the last front for discrimination. Mm -hmm. 30 yeah. years ago, you know, God didn't change his mind about black people mm -hmm. since, until 1978, right? <laughs> and then he changed his mind on that day. Yeah. Like, oh, wait, now they're cool. <laughs> well, I think eventually it's going to be like, ah, oh, no, yeah, the fags are cool too. Yeah. As <laughs> long as women don't get the priesthood, I think. I know, right? That, that's the only thing I'm like, no, that, that how, cannot. How dare they? That can't change. Gays can I'm come on the... in, but these women yeah. do not give them the priesthood. Like, come on. This doesn't even make sense. I'm mad that they're allowed skirts above their knees now. Yeah. It should be down to their ankles is, like Amish times. What is happening? Are they going to be able to get multiple piercings? It's like, come on. <laughs> Where do we draw the line? Where do I we draw the line? don't even talk about abortions. No. <laughs> yeah. You mentioned that uh, you would join the church kind of later in life. Did your, did your family yeah. join as well or was it just you? No. No, they're actually quite against it, believe oh, it or not. Okay. Like they were, and this is like, is more and more evidence that I was on the wrong path, but they were like, don't do it. You know, mm -hmm. like it, it's, it's a cult. Don't do it. It's honestly, it's not going to be something that you're going to follow through with. I, and you know, when I did come out to my parents later on in life, they're like, yeah, we knew. And this is yeah. why we were, you know, telling you don't do the whole Mormon stunt because it's not going to lead anywhere. Um, so I had to wait till I was 18 to get baptized because my parents wouldn't sign the you know, the forms mm. and whatnot that's required for a minor. So that's, you know, hence later on in uh, 2010, that's when I was baptized. Mm. And, you know, right after that, it was like, all right, how do, how do we get this kid on a mission? Yeah. You know? And now uh, what were their feelings when you express a desire to go on your mission and you're getting ready to take off? It was, it was tough. I mean, um, I said, because I got accepted into a couple of really good universities mm -hmm. in England, right? So I was like, I thought that was going to be my path. And I came to America for a month after I graduated high school. And this family that I mentioned lives here, they're called the Elmer family. So just remember that. Because I'll talk about them later, obviously. Um, they took me to like these different temples and showed me like the true Mormon life, mm -hmm. right? Like how a Mormon family looks and how peaceful and serene it can be. So when I got home, I was like, I just called all these colleges and was like, yeah, I'm, I'm withdrawing my application. I'm, I'm not interested in going, blah, 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 right? Uh, I told my mom, she was just absolutely like, oh, God, like, why the fuck would you, <laughs> like, yeah. you just ruining your life, right? I told my dad, and he flipped out. He wouldn't talk to me for a while. Told me, you know, I'm 18. I can do what I want. So it was difficult. Mm -hmm. And it, it's, 
it just accentuates that tribalism that exists in the church. Mm-hmm. Do, you, do you know what I mean Absolutely. by that? Like the tri- us versus them, right? Mm-hmm. Members versus non-members and whatnot. So when I go to church and listen to talks and, you know, talk to my bishop, it'd always be the same. Like, you know, well, they just don't understand because they just don't have the plan, this great plan of salvation. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't understand that this 14-year-old farmer boy saw God in Jesus. Yeah. They don't understand all these things. So it was it was difficult. And I, I went on my mission not on the best of terms with my family. Mm-hmm. And that was something that I regret to this day. Is like I, I kind of broke their trust a bit because we're a tight family unit. Yeah. I have three younger brothers. We're all within a, a year of each other. So we're a very tight family. You know, They were all crying when I left. They couldn't understand why I would want to break that family unit, go in with this other tribe, right, uh-huh. like the Mormons, uh, dress up in a suit, have my little like, Elder Moore badge and all that, and just get on a plane to Africa. Like, hey, it's all good. I'm, I'll be fine. Two years in Africa. Don't worry about it. You know, they were just like, you're an idiot. <laughs> like, what are you doing? <laughs> How, what, what Kool Aid did they make you drink, Michael? Like, what the fuck's going on? Uh, so it was, it was difficult. Yeah. So, and especially when I got the mission call to Ghana. Mm-hmm. Because I was, you know, everyone, everyone outside of America, believe me, they they associate the Mormon Church with America, right? It's American mm-hmm. America's church. That that can be disputed all day, but it's true. So that's where I thought I was going to go. I thought I was going to go to like you know Ohio or California or New York or something. And when I got Ghana, I was completely like, oh shit, this is going to be horrible. My mom was crying. My dad was laughing. Like everyone was just like, ah, this is just going to show yeah, you like you your stupid decision. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I'm sure it was the same for you as well, right? Yeah, my mom was definitely um, nervous about it. Um, and then, like, after listening to, like, the first episode of the podcast and just, you know, me talking about different people that have reached out to me and, you know, and shared how difficult their missions were, you know, kind of suicidal yeah. ideations <clears throat> and things like that. She's like, well, I really wish, like, I had known the realistic experience you were going to have because we always get the, you know, the idealistic kind of propagandized version of the mission you know the movie version of it um and the real experience is a lot more difficult and you're in situations that really no like kids should be in in you know you're 19 yeah yeah you're just a kid you're dealing with real people with some real problems and you're not really equipped for it you know so she does express some regret like oh man i really you know before we just sent you off it would have been awesome to know what you were really about to get into. And and everyone that's young in the Mormon church wants to be that return, that glorious mm-hmm. return missionary, right? You come in, you get paraded around your stake. Mm-hmm. It's like a red velvet carpet's laid out to you. The girls flock to you, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? So I wanted that as well. I wanted to be cured of being gay. I wanted to come back a return missionary. Boom, get a wife, mm-hmm. put some babies out there, you know, get on the good Mormon path. So it was very confusing because the whole two years I was like, it, that's not going to happen. And, then, and the reality of it dawned more and more every week that was closer to me going on. Mm. So did you ever reach a point that you were very comfortable in Ghana or was it um, pretty difficult the whole two years for you? Um, man, <laughs> Ghana, right? Yeah. It, it was just constantly uncomfortable. I mean, 
I love the people and that's something that I can say like I might not have been the perfect example of a missionary right mm -hmm. like how everyone knew that I was just kind of a jokester right I was like mm -hmm. the class clown of the whole mission I brought a lot of comic relief I feel which is important um but I did love the people absolutely loved them I thought they were incredibly hilarious they were loving tight family units very faithful you know it's like it once they get in the church that's it you know like they're they're locked in so i was i was pretty comfortable toward the end especially like knowing what, what i was doing and knowing the the weekly routine inside now and every single lesson inside now and i was lucky to have some really good companions as well like i didn't i only had like one or two companions that i really detested now i definitely love to talk about some of the more negative mission experiences i find that very fascinating like what people really went through you know the, right. the different trials like what really give it to me straight what really happened well when i got to the mcc i think that was the like, wake up point to like boom like <laughs> here you go kid there's there's africa i got off the well i was in the airport saw another missionary went and sat by him didn't speak a word of english so i was like okay it's gonna be an interesting flight um first time seeing that many black people to be honest because mm -hmm. i'm from an area of england where yeah. i didn't see a black person until i was 10. like there was only one black kid in my school and he left because he got bullied oh, you wow. know it's a very predominantly white area of england where there's not that much diversity so when i got to like the the departure terminal for ghana and i just saw this like sea of black people i was just like oh my god you know like <laughs> this is like the most culture shocked ever being on the plane you know and when we got there, the humidity, I'd, I'd never felt anything like that before. Mm -hmm. England's notoriously cold, right? Um, so that was just choking me up the whole time. And not, you know, not everything was, was horrible, but the drive from the airport to the MTC, there was a car flipped over on fire, you know, in, in the road. So I was just like, oh, shit, why did I get myself into? This is going to be horrible. The, the MTC itself is kind of a joke, too, because when you get in there, it's kind of, that's described as like, you know, those old cowboy saloons where mm -hmm. you open the two doors, someone's playing the piano, there's chairs flying everywhere, right? Um, best way I actually heard it described was from our own dear sweet Rasmussen, oh, yeah. who said like, it's a step down from anyone from a first world country, right? But it's a step up yeah. for a lot of the Africans to like, hey, let's meet in the middle, oh, right? Yeah. This is what it's about, you know, before we get out onto the field. Because it's truly a vacation for a lot of those people, if you think about it. Like, the church pays for it. They're out there for two years being fed, being, you know, taken care of. So a lot of the people that were there from Africa, I just feel like they weren't 100% serious. Yeah, you know? oh, They weren't even 10% serious. Yeah, so many people were uh, hoarding the stipends to just buy a bunch of stuff at the end of the mission. Yeah, like sending it home, and right? Stuff like that. Yeah, and the stuff yeah. to send in, stuff sending stuff home. But um, I remember the MTC, because they actually had hot water. You know, you actually had hot water in the That's showers. That's right, it did, yeah. So people would just be taking forever in the showers and just singing, just loving it, just loving these hot showers. And then boom, you get, right. get out in the field and you might be using a bucket, a shower. Yeah, you know, what, what were those like water. packets of water called? What were they oh, called? the sachets, like, the pure water yeah, sachets. They, yeah, pure water, pure, yeah, yeah. Pure water. Like pour, pouring that over yourself, like, yeah, I'm doing the right thing. Yeah. This is the smart thing in life to be here. <laughs> My favorite was the uh, the mates like calling out the towns and stuff everywhere. Sweet, oh, I love that. Sweet, yeah. yoga. Yeah, I, 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 I,
13 CDs at fully yeah, air-conditioned yeah, bus. Yeah. <laughs> Every Sunday, just blaring through the windows. Oh, man. And the bishop would just be like, ah. oh, so But, um, no, the MTC was definitely, like, a very big wake-up call to me. Coming from just a small, secluded town in England, it's like, mm. okay, this is the culture you're going to be dealing with. It's loud. It's in your face. Mm. It's 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 aggressive, right? Everything's out there to be aggressive. The heat, the humidity, the the infections that you'd get on your mission, mm. the food, everything was great. I mean, I remember going up to the, that, do you remember that big old lady that was the cafeteria woman that would like slap oh, the yeah. head around? Yeah. I thought it was like a buffet. So like I got to the first part and i was like okay fish heads no not for me i go down to, and that's it yeah. <laughs> i was like hey where's the rest of the food and she's like which mission are you going to yeah. cape coast and she just slaps the biggest like trout head on my plate she's like you're allowed to love this Yo, man, it's horrible it's the first meal we got was uh like that that willy that cow skin that big piece of cow skin oh, with, like, and stuff on it. i remember that now rice and stuff with a big piece it's like oh okay I guess we're doing yeah. this. Wow. Here we go, right? Here we go. <laughs> All okay. aboard. Perfect. And then I was coming from Florida, so it's going back to like the humidity thing. I thought I was going to have it in the bag. Like, oh, I'm going to be so acclimated to yeah. the environment. You know, I'm used to all of that. And you just get off the plane and you're melting, just evaporating into this. And I've always wondered why. Because like Florida, like I've been there, and it, but it just didn't feel as bad. And I was like, I don't get it. They're on the same like, yeah, like longitude, latitude. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. But uh, it is it's definitely just something a, about that African wind. It's definitely a huge culture shock. Like my my trainer was Ghanaian, Elder Dairy, um, and when we first um, started tracking, like like the very first day, we're walking, and he just goes to like grab me by my hand to like pull me by my hand and walk because yeah. you know people were walk would walk um holding hands and stuff all the time it was nothing there all the time yeah and uh he does that and i just like yeah i yanked my hand back like i was so yeah. offended and he just like, he just looked at me with like this baby face like what like why are you why don't you love me man so you know i had my own uh issues with stuff like that that definitely have since the cultural closeness yeah, definitely yeah. since grown out of um but yeah, it's pretty crazy like so um definitely i would love to talk about some of the points that you brought up um, when i first reached out to you um because yeah there definitely was a lot of racism there definitely was a lot of segregation in the mission there was yeah and it was sad too because like i i learned to to love those people and a lot of them would call me like the the white black man what is it they'd call it they'd be like you're the only white african because mm. i get along so well with with like a lot of these but they were apostates so i was mm. like i don't know if that's a good thing that they're like including me into their tribe yeah. because it's like you really want to be associated with that um but yeah definitely i saw i mean just look at any time we were gathered together in like a conference or a special event it would just be whites over here blacks over there and that's it mm -hmm. and there'd be a couple that would would come over and it's like oh yeah he's he's cool he's got a pass to be with the white people mm -hmm. right or like oh this white guy's apostate enough to be over here with the black guys mm -hmm. it, i remember sister schultz um once telling me because i used to i used to call her a lot and talk to her i love talking to her um and she was like when i first got here I didn't like it. I tried to mingle people together. And she's like, but then I just realized that it's never going to happen. And she's like, people just want to be safe with their own like people. Mm -hmm. And it, it just kind of hit me the wrong way. Like I heard that it just, it just didn't sound right because 
if we're supposed to be all there and one people, right, one under Christ and whatnot, it just didn't make sense how much segregation there was ultimately. Mm-hmm. And it was anything like my first black companion, um, it was in Maury, <laughs> where I would spend like a year, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> God damn that place. Um, but I just didn't talk to him at all. Like I would just walk next to him staring at the floor and I just didn't know how to like build rapport mm-hmm. because I was so unused to seeing black people. I was so unused to, I never met an African, right? So I didn't know like, what do I talk to him about? Like mud huts, spears, mm-hmm. you know, I just didn't know what to talk to him about. And it got to a point where we, we really had to have a conversation one day and he was like, do you, do you not like me, Eldemar? Like, do, did I do something, did something wrong or, or whatnot? And I had to just tell him like, oh, no, honestly, I just, I just don't know anything about you. And I, I don't feel like we were supposed to be put together. <laughs> right? And he was like super offended. I was like, I, I, I get that you're offended and you're mad and whatnot. Um, do you remember Elder Oluk? Oh, Luke, the that name was him. I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uganda. And after that talk, we became really good friends. Like we would laugh about things because I think it was also a prompting from him to like, okay, this guy needs a lot of help. He doesn't understand, mm-hmm. you know, how to quite do it. And it was like my third transfer. So it, it sometimes, I mean, a lot of the times actually, most of the white missionaries just didn't know what to talk to the Africans about. And they just didn't know like that you could reach out and they'd have the cognitivity to be like, okay, mm-hmm. yeah, I can, I can kind of help you fit in a little bit better. Yeah. Because the whole time you're, you're gathered together, what, what do people talk about? Right. Uh, when we go home, it's going to be so sweet back mm-hmm. in America, this, that, and the other. Right. And so they never, it's like, you're just forcing yourself to be in their culture rather than accepting it and embracing mm-hmm. it. That's where a lot of the racism comes from, in my opinion. Yeah. That's definitely a hallmark of the, the church as well, because it is, you know, whitewashing a lot of the culture wherever it you know gets sprouted up like the churches in ghana seemed like a real fun time and then you bring an investigator to our church and they're just like this is kind of really boring i don't know if i'm i'm into this but you're just taking all of the culture of what they're used to out of it you know what i mean and like you're not encouraging really even their language or anything Oh yeah, I mean, there, I had a companion. I, I won't name him, so it might be embarrassing for him. But um, he like reported the the bishop to like uh, President Schultz because he was allowing um, like people to bless the to bless the sacrament in Fante, oh, wow. and that was like a huge sin, right? Like they weren't allowed mm-hmm. to to use their native language because it didn't translate. And it's like how are we supposed to bring these people in yeah. and make them feel at home when it's such like oh, this is obviously the white man's church, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's, I feel like a lot of people got baptized because two white people came to their house and told them to, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, well, I, I probably should then if these white people are telling me to, should probably go to their church. And that's it. You, they disappear after a few months of being like, well, this church is boring as shit. There's mm-hmm. no drums. There's nothing fun. So I'll just talk about this white prophet somewhere in America mm-hmm. and this expensive church in Accra that's a temple. You know, it just didn't sit with a lot of people. Uh-uh. No. Now, you also mentioned... Um throughout your mission it really affected your emotionality definitely yeah can you speak on that a little bit yeah i mean do you know you must remember the same thing too i mean there'd be times when it would just be so hot and the food was so nasty and the com- maybe your companion was just being a dick for no reason whatsoever and you just think like okay just switch off my emotions because I'm only two transfers away, right, Mm. from the sweet release of going back to America or England or whatever. 
And so that kind of was something that after I remember the first time I did it and I was in Moreeb. It was a hot, hot day. We were getting in a taxi. It was just taking forever for the taxi to get going. He had all the windows up. So it was just like hot, stifling, stagnant air. My companion was just hadn't talked to me for like two days. And I was like, I'll be laughing one day. Like uh, they'll, they'll all see when I get home, I'll be laughing and this will be in the past until then. I'm just going to shut off my emotions, just like Spock, right? You know, like from Star Trek, just turn off your emotions. And it was something that I ended up doing all the time. Mm -hmm. And when I came back from my mission and, you know, later got into relationships, it was something really destructive, Mm -hmm. something that I, I didn't even fully come to acknowledge until about a year and a half ago. But anytime something that needed to be talked about or a bad, you know, something I didn't agree with and something that I felt was unfair. I just be like, ah, just turn off your emotions. Mike, you know, you know how to do it. Just, just do what you're, you're best at, right? Turn off your emotions. And it led to this really, like my first marriage was very abusive, like yeah. extremely physical abusive. I was, you know, beat up, stabbed, had a gun pulled on. And this was someone who I married, oh you know, it was, it was crazy. It like went downhill that much. And it could have, I feel like, it could have been nipped in the bud if I'd have just realized, okay, number one, obviously this person isn't the one for you because mm. he's a fucking psycho, right? <laughs> um, and that would have been the point where I would have gone out. But I just was like, ah, oh, no, it's okay. You know, why, why why, raise up a fuss? Just do what you did in Ghana, turn everything off, shut everything down, just let this person walk all over you. And it was the same when I was, you know, being kicked out of this Niyama family for, for coming out to them. It's like, ah, oh, just don't even... Don't even say anything back that you feel might be justified. Just turn off your emotions and and let happen whatever happens, right? So it was super crippling, very, very crippling. And I didn't realize until like 18 months ago that it had stopped me from a lot of life, you know, and it was was depressing. I mean, no one wants to have to put their feelings in a box and be like, I don't show these. Otherwise, you're going to regret it because, you know, remember the time in Ghana, but, you know, you'd start talking about past experiences and how you overcame them and whatnot and it's not really overcoming it's enduring right because mm-hmm. what would we say in all of our district meetings right we're gonna endure till the yeah, end and we'd be like little boy scouts right mm-hmm. like yeah Kia-ka. we can do this shit yeah Kia-ka-ha, motherfucker, blah 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 right and we'd just be like just be brainwashing ourselves mm-hmm. like just put up with anything until we get home because then we can walk on that red carpet in our in our uh, wards and be the return missionary with valor and honor just just get through whatever don't raise up the first and the couple missionaries that did raise up the first apostates mm-hmm. right anyone that wrote to president schultz hey the stipend isn't enough absolute idiots mm-hmm. right and it was <laughs> i'm sure you know what i'm trying to say but oh, it, yeah. it was just horrible <laughs> yeah yeah that's horrible like I'm, right. so, I'm so sorry you had to go through that, you know, and like you're saying. I put myself through it, though. We, we've we been home for years, like, it'd be 10 years before we know it, you know, and just, like, exactly, just yeah. so recently, you start to pinpoint, like, oh, I maybe, like, I think I was actually depressed, like, that whole time, I think. A lot, you know, yeah, I was, I know not a lot of people know, but I was on depression pills almost all my mission, mm-hmm. like, and I talked to the mission doctor and all that. They'd be like, oh, these pills will just change your attitude from this to this. And, you know, I did a smiley face. And I'm Mm -hmm. like, okay, yeah, I guess I'll take them because I got to get, if I go home, that is the biggest shame ever, right? You might as well kiss your wife goodbye because you won't get one. Mm -hmm. And I was brainwashed into that, even though I knew I was gay. So it's like, it was just, 
the, it just goes to show you how powerful your own manifesting can be Seriously. and how much you can convince of yourself, right? Seriously. I mean, that and that runs that, that shame and everything. It runs so deep into like every facet of the church, like where you have authorities coming out, giving talks, like not so much now, yeah. but definitely in the past, like, you know, I'd rather you come home in a pine box than come home it's horrible, right? like voluntarily early from your mission. Like, wow. Like that's what you're choosing to drill into these like young, malleable minds. It, like, and that's, and that you said it right there. We were so malleable and that's how a cult really take, I mean, look at any cult, right? Mm. They work with people that are in situations where you're at, they're at your mercy. Along comes a guy in the 1800s, right? Joseph Smith. Oh, don't worry about your kid dying. You can be with them forever, but you just have to do all this, right? Mm -hmm. People are, it's the 1800s. People are looking for new things. Along comes a guy with saying he knows the way. I think anyone could have done it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's the same with missionaries. We're on the mission. President Schultz could have told us anything and we would have done it. Mm -hmm. Anything. He, and, and he practically did sometimes. He'd be like, oh yeah, this music. Yeah get that out of your head because you're not listening to this um do you remember that one it's like one big conference we all had where he played like the super jolly music and he was like he was like elders what what does this make you think of oh man one thing i always thought was crazy was um fast sundays like he still never you still need yeah. to not drink any water out in the hot African sun all day. You're dead. No Who food. Yeah, yeah, you're dead. Like, oh my God, so debilitating on the body. But um, now, what was your experience with like apostasy in the mission? Like, were you with a lot of companions who just were all about breaking the rules, or was he with pretty? I was, and I'll be. I mean, full disclosure. Towards the end, I'd kind of had enough, and. It was uh, like the campaigning and all that was just sometimes too much. And, it, it, you know, and who wouldn't, right? Because look at where the APs lived. Air conditioning, heated showers, mm -hmm. microwave. It's supposed to be like an equal mission. But when the APs roll up in their nice new, you know, pickup truck with mm -hmm. the aircon inside and whatnot, you're just like, man, how do I get to where they're at? And you start realizing, okay, it's by becoming a district leader, then his own leader. And once you're his own leader, you're in the like little Pharisee circle, right? Where mm -hmm. you can go and have rice at the Schultz's house and take that one day off and be in the AC and talk to the glorious President Schultz and, mm -hmm. and, and his wife. And, you know, it just became a lot of missionaries were all about getting to the top. Oh, and it yeah. was very, very evident. It'd be everything they'd do, every letter they'd write every week was just tailored towards like, President, this is me, I'm worthy, look at me, you know, like put me in charge and whatnot. And towards the end, once I didn't really get AP, I was like, well, I'm just going to kind of, like it was at the transfer before I trained my last son. And I was like, I'm just going to kind of see what else there is on mission. So I went to Accra a few times mm -hmm. to like KFC, you know, went just, over the mission boundary lines. No, no, with I won't mention who because I don't want to like if they're still not very active, oh. I wouldn't want to like put them under the bus. Yeah. But yeah, I like went with a bunch of missionaries, dude. Yeah. <laughs> like, we had a little day trip, man. <laughs> we went to KFC, we went to the mall, we went to like take pictures outside the temple, and it was all on this like one little SD card that I kept tucked to the bottom of my suitcase, like this is wow. evidence That's against amazing. me. Yeah, yeah. And there was one missionary that really wanted to be an assistant. And he 
he like blackmailed me almost at one point. He was like, if you try to get in my way, I'll send those pictures to president of you in Accra. And I was like, dude, believe me, I'm on my way out. Like, I don't wow. need to be campaigning like you do because you really, really want this. And <laughs> he was yeah. just an idiot. Wow. <laughs> just an idiot. Yeah, that was the best but, um, um, zone conferences and stuff where president would be present. Just the way people would yeah. wear their sharpest ties, nicest shirt. Well, do you remember we used to call them like there was like levels like Pharisees, mm, Sadducees, Sadducees. And, all, and they're like they'd have their oil wrapped yeah. around their belt and have like the sharpest, skinniest tie on ever. Mm, like, Priestcrafts, <laughs> priestcrafts yes. abound. Oh, <laughs> Obscure scripture references. Like, look how deep I am. Like, look at me. Yeah. And then the, long, the longest prayer ever. Yep. And then you finally get it. Yeah. Like I remember when I first became a zone leader. Now everyone's calling me like Zoom Lion, which was like the people that did the trash for uh, Ghana. Yeah. The Zoom Lion company. It's like, oh, like you think you're going to get respected and then people actually like kind of think less of you because they, they do think that you're doing those things, you know? Yeah. I actually enjoyed being a Zoom leader. I was a Zoom leader for six months and uh, in Takarati with, with dear Elder Bush. Yeah. One of the best men to walk this earth, Elder Bush. And um, and then with Elder Jacopo up in Kosu, uh, and I had a really good district. There were some idiots that just like they were trying to go over us to the president because they were campaigning, mm. right? But I actually enjoyed it. And you do get a lot of perks. You know, you get to hold all the money for your district. You get to go to the president. You get to take all these days off to just go on transfers. So it's I loved it, and I think the reason why is because it was a big distraction from just mm. being in Ghana and just telling people to go to this, you know, American church. I liked it. Um, I was in two different zones. I was a Swager zone, and then you were my zone. Either. And then yeah, yours were for a little bit in yeah. Cape Coast. Um, but Cape Coast was stressful because you had to do all the transfers all the for the missionaries and coordinate yeah. that. And I remember yeah. the first time I did it without uh, Rasmussen. It was me and uh, Elder Glider. We totally just like oh, yeah. like three missionaries got lost that day. Like they got on the wrong trotro. <laughs> like we sent them on the wrong trotro, and then we're like, "Whoa, not uh, everyone has accounted for." Oh my gosh! So that was a big disaster, and I, I felt so embarrassed because Rasmus was never was so he he was really good at it, and that just was not He's such a good guy. Yeah, he talk even to to this day. Yeah, Rasmussen's guy. cool, but um, I guess kind of just into closing, um, yeah, because we have been going a little while. What were some of the major shelf items that made you decide, like, you know what, I think I got to cut ties with the church? Well, the first one, just to preface all that, like, it's scary, but I don't think I would have left the church if I would have been straight. Mm. And here's why, because I actually didn't mind doing everything. And I had, remember, I had that, like, shut off switch where if something was, was annoying, I'd shut it off. Um, just like the Book of Mormon musical, mm. I turn, it, turn off, it off, like a light switch, yeah. Um but the first one actually came while I was on my mission. Towards the end, I sat down with with, with uh, the Schultzes, and I was kind of just fishing a little bit for their opinions on, on gay people, mm -hmm. right? And I used my little brother as an analogy, because to be honest, I, at the time, I did think he was gay, my youngest brother. And um, I was talking to them, and, and I remember President Schultz being like, okay, I'm not, I'm not going to talk about this. You won't like what I have to say. And Lynn already knows my opinion. He, like, walked out. And I was like, oh, shit, like, yeah, this is definitely, no, I'm definitely not ever going to do that then. Oh, you know, wow. if President Schultz walked out, yeah, forget that. That's never going to happen to me then because he's like a god, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, he was our god. And Sister Schultz was so embarrassed, like, bless her heart. Um, 
she when i came out to them like she was so supportive she was like we will always love you don't don't worry about anything blah 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 but that was, I think that was the first shelf item that kind of fell was like if i am in this church i'm not going anywhere right after you come back from your mission the next step for a young mom and kid is to get married uh-huh. right and that just wasn't going to happen because i would either put a woman through misery not being sexually attracted to her not giving her sexual attention or i could just like come to terms with the fact that yeah i'm gay and this church it just isn't going to work out so when i came to vegas i was in the singles ward i was you know assistant ward mission leader and everyone there was super cool everyone was super liberal it's vegas right um everyone that's young there has been kind of raised with this party city mentality and so when i came out they were like all right cool yeah bring your boyfriend to church right mm. and the ward mission leader was, he was a kid my age he gave me a big hug he's like yeah bring tyler to church so he would come and I'd still teach Sunday school, even though everyone knew I was gay and I had a boyfriend. And for the briefest, like maybe like two or three weeks, I could actually see like, okay, if this church just stays at the level that it's at now, I get that I won't get a temple recommend, but this could still be a future for me. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the, when I came out to the Elmers, they, the Elmer family who I was living with, they like super pushed for the bishop to excommunicate me and all that. So that's just kind of how it ended up. It was like, all right, we can, you know, you're not, breaking up with this boyfriend you're, you're bringing him to church every week so you can either be excommunicated or remove your records and i just said i'll remove my records because i just don't want to fight oh, wow. and that was it it was, it was like such a short-lived life in the church yeah. and that's the last time i ever had anything to do with it is i got in in 2011 and i was excommunicated well sorry i removed my records like at the end of 2014 so it was a very short life in the mormon church I, I learned a lot, but it also like damaged me a lot, I guess, yeah. like in my mentalities and my view of gay people and, and this stupid ability to like turn my feelings off and whatnot. But I'm glad I, I'm glad I did get out. I would never knock anyone for being in if, if that's what they're all about and they're happy and they, they can live with themselves and they treat others with respect mm-hmm. good on them. Right. But I would, I don't think I would ever advise any one of my friends to like, oh, go ahead and join the Mormon mm-hmm. church. I had a blast. Right. Yeah. Well, then, uh, in closing more, um, I've really enjoyed this conversation. Um, how Thank you. has life been for you outside of the church once you fully embraced who you really are? Absolutely liberating. <laughs> 100%. I mean, at first, it's like you, you kind of dip your toes out of the church, right? You're like, oh, if I just do these this one or two things, let me see if it absolutely rocks my world and just destroys everything about me. Um, once you realize that, like, okay, if I don't wear my garments, I actually don't suffer, right? And then it's like, okay, if if I break the law of chastity, it didn't wreck my world completely. And then it's like, oh, you know, a few years down the line, uh, okay, all my friends are going out, they're having a drink, let me try a drink, right? Absolutely nothing happened. It's, it's ridiculous how we spend all these years thinking that you're going to become like Satan himself mm-hmm. if you break the smallest little rule. But coming out of the church gives you all this like, identity and freedom and happiness that you never had before because just in my case i'm not saying it's everyone's case but i was more of a captive Mm -hmm. because i I wasn't really going anywhere wow well i'm glad things are uh, turning around for you i know yeah i know it's my life has been way more fulfilling since i started pursuing the things that uh actually interest me and bring me joy um so i'm happy to see uh that you're you're starting to find that happiness and you know life is getting fulfilled for you man well it is it's fulfilling and no one deserves to go through a life where they won't find love that's yeah. just bullshit no one should ever have that and the choices that the church has for young gay mormons is like you're either going to live a 
celibate life of servitude to the church, or you're going to fake it till you make it with a girl, put babies in her, and be exalted in the celestial kingdom. Mm. Fuck that. That is horrible. That sounds like, yeah. well, how, why would you do that to a woman? Why would you abuse her like that? Why would you abuse yourself not trying to find the love and the fulfillment and the happiness that comes from a partner that truly loves you, no matter if it's a boy or a girl, gay, straight, whatever. Exactly, man. Couldn't say it better myself, but uh, we'll definitely yeah. have to have you back on for a part two because there's so much more we can unpack <laughs> and so much more. That'd be nice. can, so much we can, more we can talk about, especially uh, old Ghana Cape Coast mission stories. You gotta love that, man. We, oh, I love them. And and anyone you know that's listening from the mission, feel free to reach out. You know, I'm open to talk about anything that you agree with, disagree with. I just love keeping in contact with everyone mm-hmm. out there. Absolutely. And definitely likewise but uh i'll let you go we'll definitely uh yeah don't, don't be a stranger we'll, we'll definitely have to to chat regularly and i'm uh, i really I enjoyed this thanks for uh thanks for taking the day off and joining me on the podcast man really appreciate it yeah i've been looking forward to it for a while so that was fun all right man well uh take care and uh definitely talk to you soon kia kaha, kia kaha. <laughs> peace brother <laughs> all right peace Focal Point Podcast for the Focal Point Cinema and Sound Company.